Last week, our, at our outreach weekend, um, we were looking forward to having Rick and Becky Mackey uh, join us and uh, Rick be able to share with us on Sunday morning. But as maybe you heard, uh, both uh, Rick and his wife Becky came down with COVID um, uh, right before they were able to come here. So we missed our chance with them, so we thought. But as it turned out, uh, you know, Rick has gotten over COVID, thank goodness, and um, is still available. They are leaving for the fact the DR, the Dominican Republic, um, this Tuesday, but they were still available. Rick was able to come up here and uh, uh, preach this morning, and so we took advantage of that. His wife, Becky, is not able to, to uh, join him this morning because she is speaking at another church down in Rochester, so they divided and, and conquering this morning. So they're in two different places. So we're blessed to have Rick with us. Rick and Becky Mackey, if you don't know, they are serving God. They are training uh, um, church leaders. They're helping to plant churches in rural, uh, mountainous area of Dominican Republic. Um, also, if you don't know, Rick was a youth pastor. The youth pastor here at First Free back in 1991 all the way to 1997 and in 1997, in fact, he took um, a, a group from here down on their first mission trip and his first mission trip down to the Dominican Republic. Um, God used that time in his life. Rick and Becky uh, then uh, began their work in the Dominican Republic back in 2006, 2007. Um, as a church, we have been supporting them since and been part of our team here at, at First Free since uh, 2010. Um, Rick and Becky have two children, Benjamin Elena. I think he'll share a little bit more about them. They're both married, and they are living in the States as well. So, Rick, we are so glad. By the way, um, he'll be down in the gym, and there'll be a card. You can pick up some of their prayer cards. Do that. I, again, we've challenged and encouraged each person here to get to know a missionary, someone that you can be praying with and supporting and encouraging. And so we invite you to do that this morning. Rick, come up here and share. We're so glad to have you with us this morning. Let's welcome Rick to our pulpit this morning. Thank you. Welcome once again. Thank you. Well, thank you, everybody, for the opportunity to be here. Is this on? I think it is. Okay. Uh, I want to begin by saying thank you. Thank you to Pastor Joel. He's, he's gently walked through with us, with Becky and I, as we had COVID. Uh, we, we made it all the way through the years of COVID until about three weeks ago, and then, then we... Uh, we joined, we, we got initiated. Um, as, as you know, we had planned to be here last week, as, as Joel said, uh, and both Becky and I hope to be here, but just I'm here today. Um, and, but I'm thankful for this opportunity. Today, we, uh, this is a special place. Uh, First Free is a special place for us as a couple. As I stand here, I even remember when my wife was walking down that aisle my to-be wife, and then we were married right here in this place. And so it's a special place. Uh, serving here from 91 to 97, I have, I have some great memories. I have some things I'd rather not remember. Uh, weekends where things broke, and it was, uh, I, I felt responsible. Um, and, but, but I praise God for, for our, our time here at, at First Free. I want to share a picture of my family there they are, uh, Elena, my wife Becky, myself. Emily is uh, my son's wife, 
and, and there's Ben. Uh, and uh, one correction, Elena is actually not married yet. He, he just announced that she was. I, didn't, I missed that one. Uh, but no, she's a student at Liberty. And uh, uh, we'll, hopefully at some point that will happen. But yes, as God wills. I also want to share, though, that we are grandparents, and this happened in, in August. I, I kind of feel like as a new grandparent, we could just stop right here and spend the next 20-some minutes looking at that little girl. What do you think? Uh, now, we'll continue, but uh, we are so excited to, to be with you today and, and to share um, our, little, our little granddaughter, Rin, with you. Uh, she lives in, in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, it's too far from us in the Dominican Republic, but I think you understand what I'm saying. In 2007, Becky and I, since 2007, Becky and I have served in the, in the Dominican Republic with Hinao World, World Mission, church planting as, as missionaries in the Dominican Republic. This verse, Ephesians 4:12, has guided us. It's to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Our work is in the central mountains of the Dominican Republic. We work with rural churches. Our focus is on discipling, making disciples, equipping believers to the work that God has called them. Today, as I speak to you, I want you to know some of the feelings that I come to you with. First, I feel honored with having this opportunity. It's, it's, it is a privilege to come and share. Uh, as I said, this church is a special place for, for us. And I have great memories. It's an honor to speak to you today. I feel somewhat intimidated, though, because even though it's easier to, to preach in my language, my first language, I, I know that I've lived overseas where time does not matter. And so, I don't know, I have this thing, but I don't even look at it. Time does not matter. And also, I don't even remember how you preach in the United States. So if you'll bear with me today, um, I, I feel like God has laid some things to share with you, and um, it might not be in the format that is, that is typical. Um, as well, I feel humbled because today I'm trying to represent missionaries around the world. My hope is that as I share today, that it will give you some inside information that will help you as you support missionaries. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this, this opportunity to share today. Lord, thank you that uh, as I share, Lord, I know that the things I'm saying, that your Holy Spirit is with us, and Lord, that I ask for your Holy Spirit to teach us this morning. Lord, that you would guide my words, that you would work through me, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Evangelical Free Church supports 21 missionary families. I have a list right here. 21 missionary families. One has been serving as a missionary for 55 years. 55 years. Another one is just starting. There's one that's just a month as of when I received this information. Becky and I, I mean, we have 15 or 16 years. We're like little pups, brand new. 
55 years. Five of those families have served for over 40 years as missionaries. When you add it all together, which is kind of a thing I like to do because I'm a little strange, it's 567 years of missionaries serving overseas. This church is supporting that many years of missions. Praise God. Amen? What would cause 21 missionary families to step out as missionaries? Wow, that's a good question. It might help us to think about what is a missionary, and there are broad definitions. Anyone who goes to promote Christianity. Two weeks ago, Pastor Joel challenged the church, challenged us to be residential missionaries. I love this. We are called to share Christ wherever we are. And it's true, when you, when you step up, or you get up in the morning, you have an opportunity to be a missionary. But today I want to I talk to us, or give us maybe a little more traditional definition of, of when we think about missionaries, a foreign missionary. More, a more specific definition that would be helpful is, a foreign missionary is one specifically called by God and sent out by the local church to evangelize cross-culturally. Please note, every believer is called to make disciples, to evangelize, and then disciple those to maturity. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, and Acts chapter 1, verse, verse 8, present the challenge for all believers. Matthew 28 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the, world, of the earth. Referring to Acts 1.8, our Jerusalem possibly is, is Minneapolis, Judea, the Twin Cities are maybe a greater region, a place, and, and Samaria, a place where there's been friction, Wisconsin, a place where the mention of Samaria re represents an area typically you'd want to avoid. Again, don't think of Wisconsin, but think of those places you'd want to avoid. To the ends of the earth, this seems to be the calling of a foreign missionary. So what would cause a person to leave his or her family culture and oftentimes a good paying job, security, stores, these are all things I, when I leave, when I get on a plane, I lose. The answer, a calling. Earlier I said a, a Christian missionary is one specifically called by God. Let's look at Paul. Paul is one of the first missionaries. Let's look at his calling. Romans 15, verses 15 and 16 says, But on some points I have written to you very boldly as a way of reminder, because of the grace given to me by God, to be a minister, don't miss this, here's the calling, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, 
sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul was called to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. This happened when Paul was traveling. Paul had just stood by and watched the execution of Stephen in Acts 6 and 7. In chapter 9, we read, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from the heavens shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. You will be told what you are to do. That's that calling that was coming. And that calling came to Paul. It also came to another person named Ananias. Acts 9, verses 15 and 16, Paul, Paul's calling was shared with Ananias. It says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles, the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now, we don't know much about Ananias. He's not the same Ananias that was in Acts 5. We know that because the Ananias in Acts 5 didn't survive past Acts 5. And if you're interested in what I'm talking about there, you should read that story. He was a disciple who lived in Damascus. Paul shares his testimony in Acts 22. He shares in his testimony, in verse 12, he says this about Ananias. And one Ananias, a devoted man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. He wasn't necessarily a leader, but he was a faithful man with a great reputation who God used to help Paul confirm his calling. I think it's interesting that the calling was not just heard, was heard not only by Paul, but God told others as well. It wasn't just Ananias. The church leaders also recognized the calling and sent him out. Acts 13, verses 1 through 3, says this, Now there were in the church of at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, the life, lifelong friend of Herod the Tatriarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and prayer, they laid hands on them and sent them off. Paul's calling was confirmed. God made it known, not just to Paul, but to others as well. Paul writes in, in Galatians 2, verses 7 through 9, On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for the apostles, Apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for, for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me. 
that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. The calling was confirmed. God made it known. So I come back to the question, what would cause a person to leave his family, leave his parents, leave everything that they understand, to go to a land and start really at ground zero relearning life? Relearning a new language, a culture. And the answer is is kind of simple but profound. God calls you. And I believe God tells others as well. You may be thinking, Rick, well, how did this happen to you? Well, it had better had because I wouldn't be, I'd be in trouble if it hadn't. Let me tell you a little bit of our story. When we started to feel that God might be calling us into missions, we spoke with the leaders of the church. Now, at that time, I was serving as youth pastor in, in Rochester, so we went to the leaders of the church, the, the elder board, and asked them, would you help us confirm God's calling on our life? We didn't ask them to accept our calling, but we asked them to pray and ask God to tell them yes or no, should Rick and Becky make, make that journey and go and serve in, in the Dominican Republic? We met regularly with three leaders, and we were all asking God to confirm this call a yes or a no. This was done quietly. No one else knew. During this time, I led a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and one day I was riding in, in, in the van with Paul. Just Paul and I were, were by ourselves, and Paul did not know what, what I was wrestling with. I'm driving, and Paul looks over at me and says, so Rick, when are you going to move here? And I said, well, that's an interesting question. I don't know how to answer that. About four days later, we are at the closing uh, bonfire celebration of the trip. And Vanessa, who speaks really good English, she's a Dominican gal who, who we just love. Uh, she came up to Becky and I, and she got in our face, and she said, you guys better watch out because I've been praying God's going to bring you here. Get ready. Once again, we, she didn't know what was going on. Actually, I guess she did know what was going on. But she was helping us confirm our call. I returned to, to Minnesota, and we, we wrestled, and we still were struggling. We were asking God to give us, and there never, was, there never seemed to be a moment where we both were on the same page. One day, I would say, let's move, and Becky would say, no way, you're moving by yourself. And then a few days later, it would switch. But we never had the same feeling. We never even had the same feeling of no way. We were wrestling. And there was a day in August where we came to the same agreement on on the decision. And that day we said, yes, this this is what God has called us to do. The next day, I walked into church, and Roxanne was sitting there. She was uh, working as church secretary at that time. And I did not say a word. I just stepped in the office, and Roxanne looked at me, and she said, Rick, what happened? And I said, what, did you, what do you mean? She said, it's like this weight fell off of you. And that's exactly how it felt. Because we had made a decision 
and we were sure. The, the three leaders that worked with us, they also have their own story, how, how God confirmed and God, with all of us at the same point, brought us to a, to a place of, yes, this is the calling. This is what God needs to do. This is what Rick and Becky need to do. When we announced on the Sunday in the church, I'm walking in the hallway right after, and Linda comes up to me, and she says, finally, this has been so obvious. God's been telling me this for a long time. Some of the youth that I worked with were like, you know what, I don't like this, but I know this is, this is right. God confirmed his calling. This calling is, is so important, and it's because of verse 16 that I'm referring to, Acts, Acts 9, verses 15 and 16. Paul, Paul's calling was shared with Ananias, but notice verse 16. It says, for I will show him how much he must suffer. For the sake of my name. I, I wish that word was not there. I mean, we went to the Dominican Republic, you know. Isn't it all about beaches and drinks with umbrellas and things like that? No. It's very different. This calling is, be is important because missionaries are going into a battle and they will be attacked. Attacks will come and they'll be well-crafted, hitting at their weakest parts. So with the remaining time, and I haven't even looked at my watch, I don't know where we're at, um, I want to share some of the realities of being a missionary. And I want to ask you to pray, because the battle is real. In your bulletin, you have a crossword puzzle. And I'm going to throw up some, well, some words will come up on the screen for you to fill in in, in, the, in those, those little boxes. If you don't get it done in the time that I give you, I will have the answer sheet down at the display table in, in the gym because I know it's important to get these things filled out um, so you can come. But did you know that missionaries struggle with language? Of course, that's an easy one to understand. I've been 15 years on the field and I still struggle with language. Yeah, it's real. It's real. Sometimes they don't have the words, the right words. Sometimes I say it wrong. And there's funny stories about that, but really frustrating stories as well. Frustration. Frustration is real when you're on the mission field, it's a battle. I'd like to think that when I give an altar call, you know, 15,000 people come forward every week. But no, the truth is that ministry is frustrating. Anger. Missionaries get angry? Yes. Yes. Yes, we need to learn to forgive and work through anger. At times, we're jealous. I, I, this list is not a list about other missionaries. This is a list about me. I have seen these things in others, but I don't want to talk about them. I want to let you know this is, I need your prayer in these areas. Fear. Everybody knows that living overseas is challenging. I have friends that were missionaries in Afghanistan. And of course, safety is, is a question uh, in, a, in a field like that. Why would they go? Because God called them there. Because God called them there. Resentful. 
Missionaries can be resentful of others. This might seem like enough, but there's more. There's more. Temptation. Missionaries are targets of temptation. Again, Satan knows where we are weakest. Pray for your missionaries. 21 missionaries. Doubt. This may be a crisis of faith. Lord, why have you not worked? I've done all this stuff. I've left. I've experienced so much loss. Why have you not worked? Or Lord, what are you doing? That's not my plan. (laughs) We want his plan, of course. Most of the time. When we're thinking correctly. Doubt. Being effective. Is anything changing? Or what do you do when everything falls apart? That's real. These are things that you need to pray for. Here's one you might not think of. Lonely holidays. Do you know that Christmas and Easter are some of our hardest days of the year? Because we miss so much. Lonely holidays. Pride. Something goes great, and I'll tell you, it's great to put that in your newsletter. It's so much easier to put that in your newsletter than when things don't go well. But it's hard to share the stuff that doesn't go well. And then their kids. The phrase is actually helping their kids. Helping their kids. Missionaries are fearful of the impact that living overseas will have on their kids. And there's reason for that. The the interesting is these challenges don't hit you just one at a time. There's, they hit you kind of like this crossword puzzle shows. They're all mixed together. It's not like Satan comes along and hits us with a a temptation. No, at the same time, he's hitting us with fear and anger. And so it's all mixed together. And so that's why it's in a crossword puzzle. I'm not going to say that all uh, 12 or so of these, or 15, I don't remember how many there are, um, all hit you all at once. But it's rare that just one hits you. So we need you to pray. We need you to pray. So you might ask, why go? Because God has called us to go. And there really wasn't another option. I don't know how else to say that, except that's what we felt. That's how strong the calling was. There wasn't another option. You might say, I deal with all these things too, and that does not surprise me one bit. My response is, then you know how to pray for us then you know how to pray for us. But there's a powerful calling, and with that calling comes challenges. We need your prayer. I don't deny that many of the challenges that I've shared and talked about people face here. In fact, go ahead, raise your hand if you've dealt with one of these challenges in the last two weeks. And my hand's up. That's real. Get it up there high so people can see 
When a missionary first leaves their home country, they go from a land where they have understanding and local support to a land where they understand very little and their local support is gone. It needs to be built. In fact, in the missionary preparation school that we went to, we were told that your stress will be doubled. But your support, emotional support, will be cut in half when you leave for the mission field. So today I ask you to pray for these things. Oftentimes we don't share this. As I thought about what to share to to the church in the United States, this is what came to mind. I have stories of God's blessing, but I and I and I'd love sharing those. If I had more time, I would. But the thing I felt called to share with you today is ask you to pray. Give you a, a real picture of how to pray. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call on him in whom they have not heard? And how can they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. I can tell you my feet are pretty beat up, but they're beautiful. They're beautiful. They have been places and seen things only God could have done. And so this morning as I shared about God's calling, as you have an opportunity to sit with missionaries, I encourage you to ask them about their calling. You're going to need to give them some time because I gave you the short version this morning. Share, ask them to share about their calling. I've also shared from my heart naming the challenges that missionaries face. And my desire is that this would encourage you and help you as you pray for missionaries. As I said earlier, First Evangelical Free Church supports 21 missionaries. Total years of service, 567 years. Praise God. Praise God. Becky and I are privileged to be one of those. We thank you for your support. We thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for how you've cared for us in our early years of ministry when we were here. I can't say thank you enough. It's a privilege, it's a privilege to be part of your family. And I just want to say, may God bless you all. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I just, I just thank you, Lord, for your calling. Lord, I thank you for how you have carried us through great times, but also hard times. And Lord, I thank you for the partnership that we have with, with a church like First Free for their dedication to missions. Lord, we are not seeking glory. We want you to have the glory for that. But how, how wonderful and joyful it is to be part of your plan, to be used by you. Lord, we continue to offer you ourselves, our resources, as individuals, as a church. Lord, take us and use us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.